Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. All right, my friends, we're going to go ahead and get started. We've been waiting a few minutes to capture a few of the last stragglers here coming in uh, for the live event here at the parish, but also as well, for those of you that have been joining us online, you've been listening to the Lo-Fi radio account on YouTube as well, live in person here. Nice. But uh, yeah, exactly. But we're going to go ahead and get started. So as we start all podcasts, we'll do a little intro and then hop on right in. But in any case, uh, I'm Father Jacob, and I'm joined today by... Adam Anton. And this is Chosen Podcast, a Region Catholic production, an opportunity to explore a little bit on how we're chosen and how we can find ourselves in that chosenness that God offers to us. But uh, before we jump into our topic to the day, the live event here at St. Matthias Parish is From Ashes to Glory. So we're going to be talking about the aspects of Lent, but also as well, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the things of our culture and the three pillars of the Lenten experience in our Catholic faith. But before we get there, sorry, what were you going to say, Adam? No, I was just going to say, um, for people who are just tuning in for the first time, it might be good to share a little bit about the backdrop of Chosen itself, um, especially if there's any newcomers listening or being a part of it. So really, it was... Father Jacob's uh, initiative to begin the podcast of Chosen, um, and Father Jacob and I go back a ways. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we were classmates in seminary together, um, and then he obviously continued on the path to ordination. Uh, I, through the course of four years of seminary formation, discerned that the Lord was not inviting me to the priesthood, um, but that I was called to married life. So um, he was ordained this year, and I was married this year, and um, so we're kind of we're still very close friends and accompany one another in our vocational journeys and uh, really enjoy spending time uh, hearing and learning about the ways that um, God continues to choose and love us in our daily lives. And so we figured, let's, um, let's have a podcast about it. Yeah, that's kind of been our, you know, continual experience and then that reality as well of being classmates. But, I mean, we are classmates in the sense of years preparing uh, for ordination, being that we would have been ordained in the same year. But just before Adam was about to join me at an institutional seminary where we would have been classmates officially and on the same campus, that was when uh, he discerned the Lord calling him somewhere else. So, whether it was uh, that at first or wanting to avoid me. I mean, we'll never know, right? That's right. So, the, world, yeah. the world will never know. <laughs> so, But, uh, you know, we're, uh, in any case, too, um, I mean, it's been something that uh, we've continued, uh, you know, to do. We had uh, season one uh, this past year where we did about, what, 15 episodes, 13 yeah, episodes? Like four, yeah, I think 14. 14? I think right in the middle there. Yeah, nice. So we okay, did. nice. Yeah, close enough. Um, <laughs> so 14 episodes uh, this past year, and then we've gonna, we're going to jump in here for in a few weeks uh, to start our second season of production. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to find it, um, it's 
anchor.fm forward slash, um, actually, it's in the Facebook post here. Oh, yeah, here it is. Anchor.fm forward slash region dash Catholic dash chosen. Another easier way to find it is through now the St. Matthias uh, Facebook page or regioncatholic.com. And you can subscribe uh, to the podcast through any of your favorite podcasting platforms or find it online, too, if you'd like to listen to a little bit more of what we'll be offering tonight. But in any case, uh, by way of introduction, I think we're good. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I, think, I think we're good to go. All right, awesome. So then moving on to the next thing, uh, just kind of a little bit of an intro to the episode is uh, favorite Lenten memories. Mm. And uh, I don't know about people out here in Lake County. You know, I've served in Lake County, actually... All of my seminarian assignments. Wow. I think, yeah, I think all of them have been in Lake County. There's a lot going on out here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, but of course, I was born and raised in LaPorte County. In LaPorte County, we have fish fries and uh, during Lent, but then prior to Lent, it's all about the meat raffles. Now, does anyone here live know what even I'm talking about when I say a meat raffle? Like, uh, any, anyone, anyone out there? Raise your hand, anybody? I mean... So there's a few people, maybe like by means of like one or two of you, um, but you buy chances on like grocery store meat, and then they raffle it to you. That's like the pre-Lenten experience of a lot of like fraternal clubs. But then, of course, during Lent, it's all about the fish fry. Yeah, that's so. interesting. They sell you a bunch of meat before a season where you're going to be eating less meat. Well, the idea is that you eat it before that. But okay, okay. I don't know. Maybe Father Jim knows a little more about it being Polish. It's kind of it seems to be more of like the St. Joe Club Polish thing. That's kind of what we did. Okay. But a very Laporte County thing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But then the other part of that, too, was, of course, the fish fry. Yep. Uh, very, very much part of that Lenten reality. And, I mean, what's more preparing yourself for Lent than absolutely gorging yourself <laughs> on walleye? You know, but... I mean, I don't know. That's penance if you ask me. So, yeah. that's, so I don't know, Adam. What about you? What about your Lenten experiences? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest Lenten memories um, was uh, Stations of the Cross in St. Patrick. Is, that's my home parish, um, St. Patrick in Chesterton. And um, so I would serve the Stations of the Cross, and then um, I would stop by the fish fry. But interestingly enough, uh, I never really liked fish. I mean, I can do shrimp for a bit, but um, I, I never was into fish until actually I got married because my wife loves fish. Um, and she makes really good tilapia, so now I eat that. But nice. Um, but yeah, I always steered clear of fish. Uh, what I love in Lent, I try to go at least once um, a Lent. But uh, St. Michael's Byzantine uh, Parish in Maryville, they make some delicious pierogi. Mm. And um, yeah, so I love stopping by there. You, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Yep, yep. So. Uh, um, so I love I love a good pierogi. I'm not even Polish. I mean, I'm like part Polish. Yeah. That's kind of my claim to fame. And then <laughs> the other portion is mostly Irish. Your claim to fame is that you're part Polish. Oh, and uh, Father Jim commented from the comfort of the parsonage, as he said in the Facebook comments, that he's never heard of a meat raffle. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty rare, rare wow. thing. Maybe that's not as Polish as I thought. And maybe it's just like Laporte County and my yeah. family. I don't know. So, anyway. um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, the, the cornerstones for Lent uh, were um, Stations of the Cross and then the fish fry. So, yeah, I mean, or the pierogi fry. I don't know if that's still a thing, but yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of the reality of the whole thing. I mean, uh, particularly as well, um, a, new, a newer tradition that I've experienced too is 
you kind of like visit different fish fries. Yeah. I mean, growing up, you went to your home parish and like a few different things in town. But then as I become a priest, you like are supposed to like circulate around fish fries. Yeah. I mean, Molly and I tried to go to a couple different fish fries. What's nice is that the Northwest Indiana Catholic a lot of times will have uh, different fish fries publicized in their in the newspaper. So that's kind of where we scope it out sometimes and see what, what are good places to hit. So, Yeah, I mean, that's completely new to me. I mean, yeah. I, I had never known where, like, any of Lake County was before I was assigned here as a seminarian. So, like, to know where Crown Point, St. John, Winfield, you know, Cherville was before that was, like, totally foreign. So Yeah. But, well, speaking of that, too, I mean, this is a little diverted from Lent, but you mentioned being assigned here as a seminarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about it before the show. I, like, while I was in formation, I was assigned at St. Matthias as well um, mm-hmm. for a summer. And uh, it was a really blessed time. It was good to be with Father Jim and um, with the people here. I, we were talking about my first memory of being here was the uh, garage sale. So that was a, uh, an experience in of itself. So... Uh, it was a uh, it was a blessed time though. In in the moment of irony though, I think, I think when I was here, I missed it both times because uh, I was you assigned did not here. get the full Saint Matthias experience. Then I guess. Well, because I came here during COVID, oh, you know, okay. and like as a deacon, I came here on the weekends. Yeah. And then like COVID like, happened. Likely excuse. Go right, on. Right. And then I was ordained a priest. Um, but then before that, I was here during the year. So from like January to May, early May. So, like, I experienced, like, Holy Week, you know, Lent, Easter here, but uh, garage sale was not part of that. So, I don't know, maybe some of the people here wouldn't consider me, like, a true, like, St. Matthias seminarian in that sense, that I did not go to the garage sale. But well, Based on the warmth of the welcome, I think you are definitely one of the fold. So oh, man. I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that. Okay, nice. I'll so, take it. I'll take um, it. But I guess pivoting a little bit into Lent more broadly, mm-hmm. um, you know, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, and um, so, I don't, I mean... How are you feeling coming into Lent 2021, Father? Like, what are, what's some mm-hmm. of your um, mindset with, with everything going on? Yeah, I mean, I've heard, um, you know, kind of one extreme when uh, Catholics start talking about, like, different things they're going to give up or different things, you know, like their usual Lenten things that they do. Kind of one of the attitudes is now is like, well, why am I going to do that? Because COVID has already been so horrible. So, mm-hmm. like... There's kind of been some of that um, in some people I've talked to, just that reality of realizing that COVID really has been a challenge. On one hand, some people joke about it. On the other hand, people are pretty serious. Like, why would I give something up when I've given up so much in terms of like, especially if I'm isolating or quarantining or something of, of that reality. So that's kind of been one sentiment. Another sentiment I've gotten to is like trying to maintain some normalcy like in the midst of COVID and being that part of the experience of Lent. So I don't know. I've heard kind of both sides of that. It might be, you know, the same side of the same coin kind of thing, but, you know, trying to maintain some kind of sense of normalcy of the Lenten experience and what we do as Catholics, despite all the setbacks that we've had with COVID and the pandemic. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think that a lot of it is, um, you know, you were talking about the different... um, penances and difficulties with COVID and everything and how like, oh, if I'm, I've already given up so much, I'm going to give up more for Lent. I think, you know, what the Lenten season points to, if you look at the gospel that will be for tomorrow, it's, it's when Jesus talks about like, you know, that whole concept of don't make a huge show when you, you know, are um, fasting and don't rub dirt on your face. And, you know, and that's, it's always ironic because it's on Ash Wednesday. But I mean, I think what he's speaking to is, 
you know, yes, there are external elements that are very important, which, I mean, clearly as Catholics, there's a, a rich tradition and ritual element to our faith, but, but I think Jesus in, in his teaching there and Lent really offers us an opportunity to focus on what is our internal disposition for when difficult moments come? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is our internal disposition for um, sacrifice, for fasting? Those aren't, um, those aren't, I don't think that those come naturally all the time. Yeah. You know, I think that actions like fasting can be very counterintuitive. Um, so it's, it's really through the lens of faith that I think that aspects like fasting really make sense. Because otherwise, outside of it, it's like, well, I like this or I want this, so why would I not do it? And so, mm-hmm. um, so I think a lot of, whether it's 2020 and into 2021 when there's been a lot of difficulties, or whether it was lens of the past, really the question is, like how, what is our internal disposition um, when difficulties uh, come our way? And I think um, when I was in seminary, we had the, I had the opportunity to do some nursing home ministry. And I was talking to this um, older gentleman. He was maybe, I don't know, 97. And um, we were talking about something. So it's safe to say that he was pretty, pretty old at that point, 97. I mean, that's a pretty, like, uniform, like, we can all agree. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Older guy. He okay. experienced yeah. a lot in his life. Yeah, a lot of experience. Uh, there we go. A heck of a lot more than me. And so yeah, amen. He, uh, <laughs> we were having a conversation, and he said, um, you know, when, you, when you're younger, you pick your penances, and then when you're older, your penances pick you, or God picks your penances for you. And um, mm. I think I think COVID Lent is really like that. You know, it's like okay, we're in this situation that's really difficult, and uh, we can kind of lament that, or we can say, okay, how am I going to respond to the position that God has placed me in this present moment? Yeah, and I mean, um, and just a really quick side note too: uh, if you have any questions, we'll have a little bit of Q and A. Our episodes are about thirty-five minutes. But for those of you here live, um, if you want to write any questions on the notebooks that St. Matthias has provided, and then uh, be prepared to tear that out and then hand it over to Amy, and we can try and get through as many as we can. If you're watching online, then go ahead and just comment them um, as the live stream is happening, and then we try to get to those as well uh, towards the end of our time. But in any case, I mean, it seems like, though, what you're talking about with the internal disposition um, and kind of how we're going to approach you know, the reality of, like, the pillars of Lent. I mean, it's really about that from the onset is what it's all about. Um, There's a priest I know that was saying, you know, like, if you want to give up chocolate, then fine. But if it's just been, like, your default thing, like, for years to give up chocolate, and then on Easter you just eat three pounds of chocolate, then it's like, okay, I mean, that, that's good, you know, to, like, you know, to give up and to sacrifice. Um, but then it's like, to what end? So he, he recommended, and I thought this was kind of insightful, like, so if you give up chocolate, for example, and I say that as I've eaten, like, six or seven pieces, and, like, I have more here. It's Fat um, Tuesday. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. Calories don't count right. on Fat Tuesday. No, nothing does. And the punchkis <laughs> don't either, right? Um, but in any case, he said, like, then whenever you're actually craving, like, that thing that you've given up, then it's a moment to actually like pray for someone or something and to like connect that feeling of longing then with praying for someone, like being very intentional. Like, okay, so I can I pray for my kids or my grandkids or um, different people at church that I know or the homebound that I might visit or, you know, praying for the world or our country. I mean, whatever, whatever intentions that really gravitate with you. But it's not just necessarily about 
giving up the thing, but then rather kind of leading that to a greater desire for something else or to correlate that with a prayer or an intention or a willingness to, you know, connect it with something like that. So I thought that was pretty insightful. No, I agree. I think, you know, I mean, our Lord is not masochistic, right? He doesn't desire pain for pain's sake. Um, It all is meant for a purpose. And, um, you know, we fast from things. The reason, the reason why we choose what we fast from is because we recognize that it has a certain hold in our life that is disproportionate from what it should. Um, it has, um, we kind of have a certain attachment to it. And you read the, the writings of the saints and they, over and over and over again, whether it's John of the Cross or Teresa of Avila, they all talk about the, the power of detachment. Um, and so our fasting from those things is meant to draw out a craving within us. That's the purpose of it. It's not, it's not an accident. It's, it's a purpose for the fasting because um, what we're meant, our attention is meant to be drawn to is that ultimately that piece of candy, that McDouble from McDonald's is not going to satisfy. That, that seems like shallow examples. You've got to get into like the Taco Bell, the shoots. <laughs> I mean, like mozzarella sticks, Arby's, I love Hardee's, I had shoots last, uh, last week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's like the McDouble. I mean, that's just like amateur <laughs> hour here. Come on, you've got to get into this. You yeah, know? but fundamentally, yeah. it's like, it's just not going to, it's not going to satisfy you. Um, and so in the same way that in the sacramental life of the church, we use tangible realities to point to something intangible, namely the grace of God, something like fasting is something very tangible. We feel that, and it's meant to direct our attention to um, something much greater. I think it could go without saying now, but we're into the first pillar of Lent. uh, (laughs) Fasting. Yeah, for the reality of fasting. But did you know that there is a distinct difference between fasting and the rule of abstinence that we also practice on Wednesday and Good Friday from different things in food? So... I, I mean, it's not that, I think while I was reading uh, uh, one of the things from the communications office that came out and one of the emails that I sent to priest, and I was reading over like a flyer that came in it. So shout out uh, for anyone watching, I read those emails. So I guess that's is that, nice. is that like free brownie points or that's something. Right. Yeah, but, uh, but in any case, um, it drew something to my attention though. Like we abstain from meat, of course, being mandated on Good Friday um, and Ash Wednesday, and every Friday of Lent. So those are usual days of abstinence in that sense, like was what we'd call it. But then also as well, um, then there's fasting involved that's asked of us on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, meaning that we like try to eat less on those days. So, I mean, like the idea being like you have two small meals that shouldn't add up to over or more than or greater than your big meal of the day. Um, there's also some like Eastern European traditions where you like drink a glass of juice in the morning and then have like a bigger meal in the evening after sundown. There's some like some cultural customs there. Um, but I mean, really, that you know, we're called to do that on Ash Wednesday, four days of abstinence and fasting, and Good Friday, and then also the reality of giving up meat, you know, on Fridays and Lent, or for that matter, if you want to do it all Fridays of the year, but. That's a spiritual practice that we're not bound to anymore. So, yeah. I think it's also important to note that, like, with fasting, we immediately turn to food. Uh, but in the 21st century, we can fast from a lot of things. No, um, no, that's it. Don't, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, social media is a big one. So, you know, like, I'm going to not go on Facebook for Lent. Um, you know, I'm going to not, you know, surf channel YouTube for Lent. Um, 
I'm going to do drive without music on in the car uh, on Fridays during Lent. I'm going to so fast from listening to music. What are you going to do that in the car on Friday? Well, besides drive the car? I actually, before coming here, I was, I was listening to a talk by Bishop Barron, and he was talking about how that's such a prime place to pray is in the car, because he was saying, like, it's a little monastic cell. It's just you and, and the silence, and you can really use that as an opportunity to encounter God. So I don't know. I guess my car is different than his, because mine can be a place of anger and resentment, but I guess... Well, I mean, <laughs> that's that's where the purification of Lent comes in. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, his car is great, I guess. Mine's not so it's holy a, it's or a something. Super, it's a super holy car, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a holy model, yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad that my car is not, like, bugged or something for all the parishioners to see. Because it would sometimes be kind of, like, edgy and scandalous, unfortunately. Uh, I think they have they have increased confession times during Lent, Father, so you can... Yeah, yeah. I mean, little known fact. I mean, priests do go, go to confession, too. Yeah, you know, but. one of our professors said uh, when you know there's a, actually a class that you have your last year of seminary to prepare you for hearing confessions and celebrating the sacrament, and he said, you know, if I'm teaching you the right of reconciliation in this class, like the order of it, then it's really a gut check as to like how you haven't learned how to do confession in terms of like the order of it from going to confession yourself. <laughs> So yeah, it was kind of like, wake up call. ooh, like, you know, kind of like, ooh, so those guys that don't know the word of confession, ooh, like, you know. Speaking of all this talk of confession, I think yeah. it kind of segues well into our second pillar, which is a different title for confession, but namely penance. Nice. 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 Okay. Yeah. Smooth segue. Yeah. Nice. So what are your opening thoughts? What do you think? I think that Lent is a really good season for me because it emphasizes things that I ordinarily struggle with in my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like fasting, that does not come like easy for me. I don't think about it in the context of my spiritual life, but I do think it's really um, a significant component. Another aspect, though, would be penance or like mortification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think that, again, it used to be the practice of, you know, abstaining from meat every Friday during Lent. Um, within the context of the church, it has gone away from that specificity of it being meat. But I think people forget, including myself, that the church asks us every Friday, even outside of Lent, to incorporate some level of penance um, into our day. And I think in the same way that we can be creative in thinking about fasting, I think we can also be creative when thinking about what does penance look like. You know, I think our, for myself, I think my thought immediately turns to, okay, you know, sixth, seventh century saints slept on a rock, wore a right, hair shirt. Right, it's just like, right. okay, no, well, it's that's like not going to happen. Immediate pedal to the metal. When, yeah. uh, when we visited yeah. Peru, we went on a mission trip um, my first year of seminary, and we visited the convent of Rose of Lima. Oh, nice. And uh, so, I mean, you know, like her radical, like penitential life yeah, she, she lived. She was super I mean, intense. It is pretty intense. Like, intense is an understatement. They had a board in the back of the chapel, like in the last pew, that was still there, like in glass, like preserved, but it had little nails out of it, and she would wrap the ends of her hair, like on the nails, so then as she fell asleep, like in prayer so much, she would like nod off, you know, and then it would pull her hair and wake her back up again, and she'd start praying again. It was just like, whoa, like, so if that's like your only understanding of like the reality of penance in the church, then like, we're kind of missing something here because it doesn't have to be like this, you know, like crazy thing that like the medieval saints practiced. I, uh, I met someone once that said uh, one of the most fruitful penances was they prayed for their husband 
while they were flossing their teeth. Mm. Because they hated flossing so much. They like, I mean, you know, it's not like a profound hatred of flossing, but it's just an annoyance. Like, we have to do it. Like, it's part of, you know, maintaining a certain bodily healthiness and integrity, right? Taking care of God's temple that he's given us. But there's this reality of she just hated it. But she said, I offer it up for him every time I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of beautiful in a weird way, you know, like flossing. Well, you just don't think of those kind of things, right? I think that we immediately turn to things that are really big and grandiose, uh, you know. But I think a good rule of thumb for penance is remembering that, um, you know, uh, the penance is about growing in relationship with God rather than growing in relationship with yourself. And what I mean is that, nice, yeah. you know, if you're selecting a penance because, oh, look at what I can do, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm doing all this for God. It's like, well, it sounds like you're doing it more for yourself and, and for your own sense of ego or esteem. Um, and really, you know, you look at the lives of the saints, be it somebody like Therese of Lisieux, who, I mean, her whole spirituality is encapsulated in the little way, right? Um, you look at somebody like uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, and she would, like, um, clean toilets, right? Like, that was a primary way that she did penance. Uh, it wasn't anything huge, grandiose, um, which, again, links back to our Lord's invitation in the Gospel for Ash Wednesday, right? Don't do things for on street corners and for people, you know. Um, I think that's part of the penance, is, like, we have this natural desire for people to recognize us, to be seen by others, and part of the penitential experience is like, I'm doing this, something that I ordinarily wouldn't do, maybe I should do, and people don't notice it. And that's t- that teaches me humility. So I think it's all part of, of the penance. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's often overlooked that we can encounter God and encounter um, like his his will for us and the things that we're doing like for Lent and the most ordinary of circumstances and the most ordinary of ways. I mean, in our everyday life, there are moments and opportunities to offer up uh, different penances. We just have to be willing to think about it a little bit and capitalize on those moments that we're already living uh, penance, like the flossing example, for th- for example. But I can guarantee that all of us do something that we don't like doing. I mean, all of us. I mean, I mean, I, I remember, too, there was another priest that mentioned when he would sign checks for his parish, like, he would be praying um, for the people on the checks, or the reality, too, of, like, praying for the things that would be brought forth from the reality of that. Or, for that matter, if he couldn't think of anything, just praying for different people that he'd encountered uh, in the past week. So, I mean— just as something as ordinary as like signing checks for his parish every week, he was able to think and pray for his people in some way. So I'm sure that there's something out there that we don't like doing that we can offer up and do it with love and think about someone or something that we want to pray for through that action. When you go to get your coffee, your Starbucks run or your Dunkin' Run, uh, choose, choose a day where you don't put creamer in your coffee. That is a penance that you can do, right? Um, you know, like, and the other thing too is if other people are suffering as a result of the penance you choose, you chose the wrong penance. So, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. You know, I think that, again, that's also part of it. Uh, I mentioned it in our St. Michael's uh, live podcast, but, um, you know, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing something for, for the house or like for Molly and I and 
figuring something out. And it was a little stressful in between like that and work and stuff. I was feeling stressed. And the problem was that uh, people knew that I was stressed, right? So I was telling Molly like, oh man, I've just been so busy and then like I'm doing all this stuff. And, and then like at a certain point I was praying later and I was thinking to myself like, okay, like, you know, Christ is the bridegroom. He's the example. Okay, like, you know, when Jesus sacrificed, when he died, um, he, he didn't, he wasn't like, oh, look at what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing this for you, right? Like, this is a big deal. He, he died, right? And like, that was part of his expression of his love is that he did not, I mean, part of his instruction to the apostles is like, don't lord things over people, right? Like, don't make a huge deal about, you know, the, the penances that you do. And so, again, if, if other people are negatively impacted by, uh, by your penance, you might be choosing the wrong one. Yeah, it just reminds me of a story when there was a few guys that agreed they wouldn't sleep on their mattress for like certain days for Lent and seminary. And so for those nights, they le- took their mattress out of their room and leaned it against the wall outside of their room. Yeah. It was like, not the point, really. Like, everyone <laughs> knows that you're doing this. But then not to mention, like, they were really mean the, right. the next day because they yeah. didn't sleep very well. So you're like irritable and like angry. It's like that's not kind of what we're going for. for, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, before we get too much farther, too, um, as we kind of are starting to round out um, the bulk majority of our time in podcasts tonight, um, we got to hit one last pillar. Yep, almsgiving. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. When I think at first, like the reality of almsgiving, it's almost always having to do with like soup kitchen or like homeless ministry or like kind of like the apparent ones. But um, I mean, especially with COVID and different restrictions, that could be a really challenging um, reality for us to go through right now. So I don't know, is there anything that stands out to you in the life of a Catholic that they can be doing almsgiving for the coming Lenten season? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the person that that comes immediately to mind with almsgiving is St. Teresa of Calcutta. And I, you know, two, a couple of quotes come out come to mind. One is she would always say, find your own Calcutta. Um, and, you know, she would say, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I think that, um, and she also said, like, the greatest poverty in the world isn't from not having food, but people not being loved. So in terms of almsgiving, yeah, the thoughts can immediately turn to things like finance or things like that. But um, I, I think that the, the greatest commodity that we have is our time. And so, you know, if we're, if we're thinking beyond the scope of the financial or something like a soup kitchen, it's like, okay, where am I giving my time, right? So that might be in the context of, like, the church. Uh, I mean, that can be first and foremost in the context of prayer, right? Like, am I giving God my time, like, adequate attention? But also, like, within my family, right? Like, have I been short with um, my husband or wife? Have I been short with my siblings? Has there been a rift in a relationship with a cousin? You know, like... Um, looking for those uh, inroads to give more, I think is kind of the, the message for, for almsgiving generally. I don't know. I've, uh, I, that's one of my go-to penances uh, as in the ministry of confession. I find it like so easy uh, to give those penances is like um, tell your spouse you love them, do a good deed for them, um, or for like feuding like kids, you know, like, uh, you know, do a good deed for your sibling or do an extra chore. Uh, for your parents, but I've been accused of being too merciful because I've, and then I've, you, we, we talk about like, you know, and getting ideas for penances and spiritual fulfilling things for our people as priests sometimes. Um, and it's like, oh, well, I give out like three chores. You only give out one. And I'm like, 
man, I guess I'm just lenient. Like, I don't know. Like, I thought one chore was pretty sufficient, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, another idea that I heard recently was, like, uh, if you go out to eat or you, you go to a restaurant or something, uh, for Lent, tip a little bit more than you ordinarily would. Like, it's something very small and tangible. Um, but That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good one. Yeah, it's just something. I mean, again, it's that practicing that level of detachment. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I've also heard too, like you can kind of integrate um, multiple different pillars together. You know, when we're looking at prayer, fasting, almsgiving. So, like, you know, if you're going to give up, like, like a certain routine, like Starbucks or something, or a certain um, like monthly thing that you might spend money on, that might be. Um, something that you want to fast from, then use that extra money then to give towards something like charitable or something in that in that realm of reality. So kind of like merging different things together and kind of making it a more across the board idea of the Lenten life, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, before we shift too far though, I um, I realized that I when we went to fasting, we shifted to penance, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, I guess we didn't speak as directly to prayer. And that was yeah, we kind of rolled like prayer and fasting into one, yeah, kinda, didn't was... we? Because I talked so much about intentions. So is there so, something yeah. more specifically directed toward prayer that you'd want to touch on? Yeah, I mean, do it. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> there you have you it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I... When I talk to and I preach about it, I find myself just telling people, like, just pick something and do it. Pick a devotion, pick something like reading scripture, having silent time before the Blessed Sacrament, um, coming a few minutes early before Mass, having some quiet time. I mean, like, pick something and just maintain it. Because it's the hardest thing. Yeah. I mean, we can find ourselves picking so many different things and so many different devotions. And then before you know it, we have like this 13-part Latin plan. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, oh, wait a second. I have failed. Cause, and then it's discouraging. And then people get upset. And then it's like, no, that's not the point of this. You know, so it's like just be realistic with yourself. And really make sure to develop like a healthy relationship with your plan that it's going to be realistic in that reality. And I think prayer is like the easiest thing to either overlook um, or just be so discouraged when we don't meet goals that we just kind of give up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, two thoughts came to mind. One was, like you were saying, just do it. Um, it makes me, it made me think of Thomas Merton, who was a spiritual writer in the 20th century. And somebody asked him, like, what's the most important part about develop, developing a prayer life or um what's what's the most important part of prayer and he just said making the time mm-hmm. uh that's yeah. you know first and foremost and um i also want to emphasize like enter into some silence i think that's yeah you know again we we're talking about how lent's countercultural a little bit because delayed gratification and um but i also think that we the the lenten image a lot of time is the desert right so we think about jesus going into the desert for 40 days uh and you know like there's an interesting detail in the gospel when it says, you know, Jesus, when he goes out into the desert, number one, he's tempted by the devil. And number two, there's a, a passage where it says, like, he was with the wild beasts, right? And I think that we have an aversion towards silence a lot of times in our spiritual life because, like, we, we're kind of faced with our own demons. We're, we're faced with our own, you know, wild beasts or, or temptations. And I, But I think following the example of our Lord and that desert image, like Lent is an opportunity to slow ourselves down, enter into the silence and really like dig into those difficulties and shortcomings in our spiritual life and bring them to the Lord. So entering into silence, I definitely would want to encourage for Lent. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to just get distracted in our day and age as I'm typing a comment into our <laughs> comment train about talking about silence and being focused, right? That's right. But uh, I just, it is funny, I just read Father Jim's comment on here. Almsgiving can also be supporting their parish. So coming from a true pastor, you That's know, in right. the comment chain. I mean, it is true. Like, it is a um, precept of the church to support the church and support the missionary activity of the church, um, often financially in some capacity. Um, but it's kind of hard for me to say that on the podcast and only talk about almsgiving and giving money to the church. I mean, it just seems, you know. But it is important nonetheless. I mean, we should all do it. So, yep. But... So uh, we're kind of rounding out our time here. We're hitting like the, uh, well, I started a little bit early with some background music and some loops and stuff like that for the intro settings, but we're kind of rounding out our time here. So that's kind of been our uh, little Lenten preparation session, um, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, really entering into the life of Lent and being prepared for tomorrow. But until then, it's still Fat Tuesday. Yeah, and, so um, live it up. Mardi Gras might be canceled in New Orleans, but uh, it's not canceled here. That's so right. there you it's go. Still vibrant in Crump Point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think I think we have some questions though. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, do we have any? Here we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got, and uh, we'll see if there's any online too. I just commented what I was uh, talking that. Um, okay. Here we go. Offer up. I've heard that phrase so often, but d- exactly what does that mean? And can you provide an example of exactly how one offers it up? What would one say? And is it a prayer? All right, out of the gate. Adam, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think offering up has a lot to do with the, the internal disposition, like we were talking about like earlier in the podcast. Um, and again, it can be anything. It's like, it's the decision not to wallow in something that otherwise could be very uh, easy to wallow in and instead to redirect that um, for another. So like, you know, our, whenever we're faced with things that we don't like or are not our preference, our tendency is to focus in on ourselves and reflect on how much we don't like it. Offering it up shifts our disposition to look outward towards the other right? Be that God or be that um, somebody else in our life. So um, I'll give you an example. So I, um, I went to uh, get a shot uh, a couple weeks ago and um, I hate needles. Like I, that, I, I'm not going to go as far to say that it's a phobia, but like I, no, it's a phobia. It's I okay. You, you can say that. You really don't like needles. <laughs> when I was doing it, the nurse was like patting my arm. was like, okay, you're gonna, you need to breathe because you're starting to hyperventilate. And yeah, I was that's, like, a, that's, uh, that's a phobia. And my yeah. wife's a nurse. So that's kind of embarrassing. But um, yeah, so, but there I was and I was at a, um, a Catholic hospital. So like it was blessed that there was like a little crucifix on the wall there. And uh, my immediate temptation was to think how much I hated this moment and like, you know, how big of a person I was that I'm doing this that I hate. And it's just like, you're such a loser, Adam. So, um, but like seeing that, you know, the image of the crucifix was like, okay, I don't have to stay in this space, this headspace, you know? So then it like shifting to, okay, this discomfort, embarrassment, stress um, can serve a greater purpose. So a friend of mine told me that, um, the his dad was like struggling with some health issues and sure, so it's like okay sure. um we'll do it for his dad right and uh and that was it. it it's not it's nothing like huge or grandiose or this like lofty prayer it's like nitty-gritty 
um, I'm going to choose to think about someone other than me in this moment of discomfort. Yeah. And uh, in an example, um, yeah, so it's funny because I'm signed in as the St. Matthias Facebook page right now uh, on this stream, and then Jackie is as well, and so she's commenting as the Facebook page and then liking the Facebook post as St. <laughs> Matthias, as herself, though I'm still it. So, like, for example, she liked the comment from Father Jim, Father Jacob should learn to offer up his driving experience, and then Jackie liked it, but I can actually unlike it because I'm also St. Matthias in this moment, so I just unliked it <laughs> nice. there. Um, yeah, I think, like, also, too, with offering it up, I think about um, redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we undergo suffering not because God actively wills us to suffer, but because he permits it for his greater glory. And in that reality of that, and I don't want to get too far into that because that could be another 45-minute podcast, um, but uh, that reality of being able to unite ourselves to Christ on the cross in the smallest of ways, I think is another really concrete way of thinking how we can like, offer it up in that sense too. Yeah. So, all right, I got one more uh, written question here that we'll have time for, and then there's uh, um, one more uh, comment on Facebook that we'll get to too. So why is Easter celebrated on different dates during the Lenten season, but Christmas is celebrated on the exact same date during the Advent season? So we've set uh, the date for Christmas. Um, I mean, you can historically study like Christmas and that kind of reality. Um, There's been debates about if it's actually the birth of Christ that particular day. Um, What's important, though, is it's nine months uh, in our liturgical calendar after the Annunciation. Uh, so nine months of time between the Annunciation, you know, of, of um, Angel Gabriel visiting Mary that she would conceive a bear son to the liturgical birth in our calendar of, of nine months later, you know, of the birth of Jesus. Um, but then Easter is tied also to uh, the celebration of Passover in the Jewish uh, Old Testament, uh, like Old Testament understanding of the scriptures. So when they would celebrate uh, the Passover, it would be calculated by lunar cycles, Uh, like cycles of the moon. And so I don't remember the exact way that they would calculate Passover, um, but it would always be associated with the moon phases. And so we've adopted that as well um, in our um, life of Easter. And so what's funny is like, it still coincides to this day. So like, um, at least in the Latin rite, like Roman Catholic uh, reality of things, how our calendar has maintained uh, that reality. And I think I think this might have been a historical myth, but I think it might be true that in the Middle Ages, in order to be ordained a priest, you had to be able to calculate the day of Easter. That was like one of the things. But that might be an historical like myth that has been contrived. So I don't know. My history professor at Mundelein is going to, you know, like, <laughs> you know, comment on here like, no, you're wrong, you know, but I don't know. So, yeah. but uh, cool. I, I got one more, um, one more thing from Facebook that uh, Jackie commented. Can you give any advice how someone might incorporate scripture more into their Lenten plan? So what do you think, Adam? Where are you going to start with more scripture and like how to kind of start that reality? Yeah, I think uh, two thoughts come to mind. One is that we're kind of blessed in that the church pretty much prepackages that for us in the context of the lectionary. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, whether you're able to attend daily Mass or if you're not able to attend daily Mass, then 
Um, there's all sorts of apps. You can go to the um, Bishop's Conference uh, website, usccb.com or org. Dot org. Dot yeah. org, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the daily mass readings. So if you're like wanting to incorporate um, you know, the scriptures more into your daily plan of life this Lent, um, read the gospel of the day um, every day for the next 40 days. Um, so that'll kind of keep you connected not only with the scriptures, but with the wider church as well, because you'll be following the um, readings of the church. The other thought that came to mind um, in terms of a Lenten um, prayer incorporation of scripture would be reading the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think that especially as we're moving through um, our other Lenten practices, be it penance or you know fasting, there's a psalm for everything. So there's psalms for moments when we're sad, moments when we're angry, moments when we're happy. And so being able to relate to the scripture on a very visceral way and, and in a way that like speaks to our daily lived experience. So if it's a difficult day for you, God wants to enter into that difficulty and you can have that connection with him in the Psalms. Um, so picking one of the Psalms that is for difficulty or sadness or things like that. Um, Actually, I just thought of a third thing. There's another podcast called... Um, Father Mike Smith's yeah, Bible in a Year. The Bible in a Year podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't subscribed to that, it's worthwhile. He basically, um, it started um, after Christmas, right? Or new, around uh, New Year's. Uh, yeah. And so um, he's <laughs> using the Great Adventure Bible. It's a Catholic Bible program and leading people through the Bible in a Year. So that's another opportunity if you just want to subscribe to that podcast. Yeah, for that matter, too, um, one spiritual practice that I've heard of is, like, while you're waiting for your water to boil for tea or, like, while you're waiting for your coffee to brew, you read a small portion of the New Testament. So it comes out to, like, three minutes. You can get a pocket Bible and put in, like, the pocket New Testament and put it next to the coffee pot and then pick it up and just continually read the New Testament. Um, I mean, if you're reading it, you know, prayerfully or slowly, it might take all Lent or more to get through it, but... If you're speed reading it, maybe you'll do it a couple times. I don't know. But that's another common thing. And I just wanted to round out our time with one last question slash opening the debate. Do you engage in what you've done, like you give up for Lent? Do you do that thing on Sunday? Um, this, I, is like, this is like, so for example, like if you give up chocolate, then do you eat it on Sunday? This is like the debate of centuries that's culminating in this moment right now. <laughs> what, uh, what would you say to people? What would I, you say to the people? I, I mean, I, I by and large don't do that. Um, I tend to maintain whatever faster practice um, throughout. I mean, technically speaking, even amidst Lent, Sunday is still the day of resurrection. And so, indeed, um, in that sense, it's, it's and, kind of like a reprieve. And here's the question. Is, are the Sundays of Lent counted in the 40 days of Lent? No, I don't think so. No, they'd be 46 yeah. if you had included them. I know it's just like, whoa. So, <laughs> I don't know. I've, um, I've heard it both ways. Um, I've heard that, I've heard some people say like, oh, you could, um, you know, like that thing you gave up, um, especially if it's fasting or penance. Um, now, granted, if you're trying to work on, like, something sinful, then it's not like you go for it on Sunday. I mean, it's like, right. I'm trying to fast from gossiping, so and then on Sunday, I'm really going to just lay into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that's not really the point. Um, but, I mean, if it's something, like, different, you know, like chocolate or Starbucks or whatever, something's, like, flipping off the top of my head, but um, then it could be, like, a celebration of the resurrection that day with our Lord to do it Sunday. 
But the main thing is, is that your Lenten practices can literally be whatever you make them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if it's, if you see it as a sign of like failure, or like you're losing, that you like broke it, then it's not really the point. I mean, you could just say like, I won't eat chocolate three days a week during Lent and then pick the days. That's okay. Like, that's not like, like giving up on Lent. I heard, I mean, a, you know, so. I heard a tradition that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it comes from Butler's Lives of the Saints or not, but I did hear um, a story that Francis of Assisi used to, um, closer towards the end of Lent, um, intentionally break a fast that he made for Lent so as to mm-hmm. allow that to be a moment of humility for him and to realize that this isn't a drive for perfectionism, but that ultimately this practice has been for the Lord. Or even one spiritual director I knew to a seminarian that said, for Lent, I want you to take dessert and eat it every day in front of everyone. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, that's a big penance for him because he really was drawn to like this idea of fasting. So it was a really big deal for him to eat dessert in front of everyone every day. And granted, like he probably looked more like Adam than like me, you know. So there was a certain sense of like, yeah, this could be good for him, you know. So, so he had glasses. <laughs> nice. Yeah, right. You, you get what I'm saying. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, as we kind of round down on our time here for Q and A, Q&A, uh, Father Jim mentioned just for us to mention one more time for the people here and online how you can hear the podcast. So you can either go to regioncatholic.com. Uh, where you can find links to how to access the podcast. Also, you can search it on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Um, so like Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, like all those, all those different platforms. Yeah. Or also as well, you can hear it on anchor.fm. Uh, that's a website that we post the podcast on. And you can find uh, the link to that and follow it from the St. Matthias Facebook page because I shared regioncatholic.com and our anchor.fm link in the description for this event and for this live stream. You can also follow so, us on social media as well. So, um, yeah, there's a multitude of ways. Yeah, so On Facebook, Instagram. My wife coordinates the social media, so I had to do a little shout-out there. And she yeah, does a really course. good job. She upped our game quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've had a lot of increase ever since I've... Uh, asked her to help me with it compared to the images and videos that she makes compared to mine. Hers are way more fun, creative, and engaging. So yeah. our engagement went way up when that happened. So, but we but, want to wish you a very blessed Lent. And uh, we're really grateful that whether you're here in person or you've been tuning in on the live stream, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you. And uh, enjoy the last few hours of Fat Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. So from there, we'll go ahead and wrap things up and say God bless you and uh, have a very blessed and prayerful Lent. And uh, see you on the other side in uh, Easter, only in a few weeks. Well, like six, but nonetheless. Amen. God bless. God bless you.